was the 90s and I was out. I was out <laughs> having a life. And I, I don't know, I just, I, I, know, I, I, I just never got it. Hello, Zan. Hello, Miff. Here we are back in the Zoom. I know we're back in lockdown. Lockdown 4.0, it's lockdown. Back to what we know, it's lockdown. Wow, it's really cute that you can have have a song for it. Just so joyful. It's lockdown. (laughs) You've got to find the joy where you can. How's your week been? (laughs) Um, It's fine. I'm fine. I I will say this. I don't think it's going to come through the recording, but my partner is a school teacher and I did overhear Mm. him just on the other side of the door teaching year 12 geography. So if any year 12 geography comes through, mumbles through the door and through the record, that's why. If you can hear a voice in the background, that's my partner who's teaching from home at the moment, which is a joy, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, I I love that. I might learn some things while we're doing bang on, so that's good. I'm happy about that. You've done the other Uh, big lockdown thing as well. I couldn't believe this. I was shook, quite frankly, when I saw you tweet in the last 24 hours that you were considering buying a Jaffel Maker. Mm. How is it that you don't already have a Jaffel Maker? Well, look, let me begin with, uh, well, it's a long story. It's a long, I don't have one. I've refused to get one for pretty much my entire adult life. Had one as a kid, loved it, loved a Jaffel Maker. But in my adult life, I've always gone, kitchen contraptions, they're useless. You buy them, they sit in the cupboard, they take up space. It's not as if I can't make a toasted sandwich or grill some cheese under the griller with an oven with something I already have. Mm. So, you know, I've been very anti-kitchen contraptions. And then a couple of years ago, my brother bought me a pizza maker, like one of those stones with the lid that you can make pizza. And I laughed at him. I said, I'm never going to use that, never going to use it. Used it, loved it, (laughs) still love it. And but that's the only contraption I've allowed myself aside from like a you know a whizzer. What are they called? A stick mixer. Um, a, bl- a, blen- no, a, a, blender. Mixer. a blender. A blender. A <laughs> blender. I'm sorry. A blender is now called a whizzer. <laughs> <laughs> you know those ones. And then I finally went. Ah, oh, lockdown for fuck it. All I want is a toasted cheese jaffle, maybe with some spaghetti in it, and that's all I want every day, all day, comfort food, because. Bring the joy, I say. And I know you can buy them if you're in the city and you can get get them on things like, you know, delivery services and stuff. But I just feel like having access to homemade jaffles. So, yes, it was it was a very political stance for me. It's taken <laughs> over 25 years oh for me God. to finally come around. So it was a big deal. This is a deal. Welcome. So you mentioned you, you mentioned the canned I, spaghetti as well. Is that your Jaffel filling of choice? Yeah. Because it's controversial when that you start is. talking Jaffel fillings. It's almost like the favourite biscuit conversation. Everybody has an opinion. Oh, really? It's got to have cheese, spaghetti, and then added cheese. What's yours? You must have a few because you got one last year. I got one this time last year for the same reason. It was mm. getting cold. We're in lockdown. I literally saw a friend of mine post making Jaffels on Instagram and like the <sighs> great influencer scenario that we find ourselves in, I went, literally went online and bought a Jaffel that the very same night. <laughs> I made a baked beans and cheese jaffle and it was intense. Like I'd forgotten how rich it was. Um, It was butter as well, heaps of butter. (laughs) Oh, of course, on the outside, absolutely. But one of the joys was that my uh, jaffle maker came with a box of recipes and (gasps) a little bit fancy and you can do some pretty fancy things with jaffles. Some of them were a bit over the top because I feel like much like pizza, keep it simple. Don't don't yeah. o- don't overload the jaffle. Don't over jaffle the jaffle. Don't over jaffle the jaffle. But I did learn that you can make 
apple pies with Jaffel with puff pastry sheets. What? How does that work? Two frozen puff pastry sheets, some a can of pie apple, so literally the you know you can get cans of the stuff that you put in an apple pie, some raisins, mm-hmm. a bit of maple syrup, some cinnamon, and then dust it with icing sugar and serve it with ice cream. I love it. You're welcome. Thank you. I cannot wait to open this new door in my culinary uh, my culinary existence. I'm just excited that Bang On has become a cooking podcast just straight yeah. off the bat. <laughs> happy about that we can't travel so what else is there (laughs) it is your place for all the things that have been happening this week music art life stuff one of the biggest stories this week as well is Naomi Osaka who is a Grand Slam champ represents uh, Japan when she plays tennis incredible player and has said that she didn't want to attend press conferences after matches at the French Open because it was detrimental to her mental health. French Open officials fined her and then threatened her with expulsion and she just said, well, I'm out, and she's left the tournament. And reactions have been really mixed from from officials and fellow players alike. This has been a big story this week, hey? Hey, it's been huge. And, you know, there's a blah, 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 blah. When when sort of um, people in power and systems are shown to be a little bit shoddy and perhaps not working in the best interests of the people who are involved. They don't like it. How dare she? And it's like, well, of course she can. And it's a real shift in society that I think most normal people are pretty empathetic about mm. this fact. We all know how ridiculous these interviews are and how prying they are. And and really, I mean, what are they doing? They're they're playing sport. It's not science. It's not life or death. The fact that, you know, oh, it's a part of the process and you you should have to do it. It's like, well, not if it affects your mental health. And I think we're all literate enough in... Um, the world of mental health these days it's no excuse to say no you should plow on it's how it is it's how it has always been and it's how it should continue I'm really pleased that she did it and uh, look there was an excellent article who that summed it up completely for me and it was in the Guardian Jonathan Liu was the journalist and it's called we're not the good guys Osaka shows up problems of press conferences and I know that you read it too Mm. Um, I feel like I just want to read passages of it because it it sort of sums up how I feel very much so um in that he mentions that the modern press conference is no longer a meaningful exchange and and perhaps it hasn't been for a long time um because essentially um the athlete now can have direct line of communication via social media yeah. and therefore doesn't need to have these sort of questions and what gets it is <laughs> because I haven't experienced a tennis press conference, but I've been to many a press conference and often it's just a lot of, I mean, we've seen them heaps during during COVID, just a lot of irrelevant questions, journalists trying to kind of um, show their authority on a subject or have an opinion to get a get a you know an aggressive reaction and this line in the article is that this dynamic is only exacerbated in women's tennis a highly visible enterprise that takes place not just in a largely white male space but a white male with free food space (laughs) that sense of voracious engorged entitlement often manifests itself in exceptionally creepy ways and then he goes on to list a couple of really creepy questions that that female tennis players have been asked what do you reckon Zan yeah because you're a big tennis fan 
I, am, <laughs> I love that you think of me as a big tennis fan. I do like I watching do. the game. I tell you, you what, when I, was, when I was reading this, and that was a great piece by Jonathan as well, which we'll put in the show notes, it, it really did feel as though the people who were the loudest in, in opposition to this were the journalists who saw their authority being threatened. Um, and the other players. Oh, blah, 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 blah. The turkey jowls. Like <laughs> yeah, I like my, my free free waters and, and pens and um, getting to voice my opinion about your game. Look, I very rarely watch a press conference and think I'm getting something out of it, like there's no gotcha moments. But when I read these pieces, I just thought immediately of Tony Jones's interviews with Naomi Osaka when she won the Australian Open in 2019. So Tony Jones, the Channel 9 senior sports reporter, not the ABC's Tony Jones, the other Tony Jones. And he asked her after she won, first of all, to smile, then he suggested that she'd had trouble carrying the big trophy over to the commentary desk where he was. And then she asked, uh, she was asked about where she was going to spend the prize money and if she was going to go shopping the next day. I just, it was so embarrassing. I was mortified. And you could see the look on her face. And that's what I thought of straight away when I saw this this going down, that these these dinosaurs um, in the media, and I'm not saying all of them are, but these questions are so inappropriate. When it comes to female tennis players, they are often very differently um, put to the players in a very different tone than they are the male players. It's often very gendered, highly sexist, and just plain boring. And I just don't, I don't see the need as a viewer for these press conferences. Obviously, other people have opinions. One of the other things that popped up, of course, this week was, like you see, the shift of how we view mental health and how we value uh, oh. mental health and respecting that. And there was another great piece by the ABC Sports Journal, Tracy Holmes, where she talked about this idea of other players' reactions and some officials' reactions talking about how if Osaka didn't give a press conference, then she would have an unfair advantage. But she makes the point, Holmes makes the point, that Osaka's chronic anxiety and sustained periods of depression, which she's talked about openly before, yeah. do not speak of a person either having or seeking an advantage. Rather, they speak of someone who is at a clear disadvantage, playing a sport governed by officials who seem anchored to a past era in which the one-size-fits-all policy remains the bedrock of their management style. And you saw it, you know, as this all rolled out, the French Tennis Federation president, Giles Moretton, sorry for the bad pronunciation, uh, he held a media conference on Monday in Paris and he read a statement and then he said no questions. Oh. <laughs> I mean the, ir- <laughs> the irony of this and representatives all over the world, including here in Australia where the head of Tennis yep. Australia, Jane Hurdlicker, haven't fronted the media, haven't said anything. So why is there one rule for players who people say have to talk to the media because they earn a lot of money in their public figures. Well, these officials earn a lot of money in their public figures as well. Yeah. And why are there two different rules for two different sections? It's just the irony and the double standards is too much to bear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a lot to do with people keeping their jobs and enjoying that nice little sweet deal of going to the tennis and, and watching what they love and and feeling important and having a job to do at the end of it. But if it's not if it's not serving a purpose in terms of getting any great insight, which I think we can all agree, you're not gonna get that at a press conference post game, rarely. Like that would happen one in a thousand, I reckon. It it seems like quite a quite a redundant thing, doesn't it? It's true. And there's some players who will happily front the media, uh, but Venus Williams called it out this week and 
I think that she put it perfectly when when she said this at a press conference um, relating to Osaka's choices. Take a listen. For me personally, how I quote, how I deal with it was that I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never light a candle to me. So that's how I deal with it. Um, But each person deals with it differently. I mean, just what a lord. God, I love it. (laughs) Unfuckable with. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, nails it. I hate that term now. Nailed it. Nailed it. She does. She does. She does. The other thing that a lot of people were talking about online this week, Miff, is the Channel 9 um, releasing an ad advocating for vaccinations with the mm. catch catchphrase, our shot. Um, it was a very Channel 9 reflection of Australia, wasn't it? It sure was. And look, I think it was a good ad and it was a timely ad given that there isn't something similar in the general media. And I think a lot of people have been talking about that, the fact that these ads there might be one, I think, and it's pretty boring. It's not really inspiring people to go off and get the vaccine if they want it. It's, However, no, El- it's no Elton John advocating for the NHS, that, that's for no, sure. No, <laughs> no. However, I don't know what's going on in the head offices of Channel 9. I mean, actually, I do think I know what's going on <laughs> over there, and that is it's full of white people because no one at this meeting who organised this ad and and pulled the talent and went to management and said, this is what we're going to do, not one person at that meeting went, hang on a second, everybody's white and the only two people who are not are workers who are doing the busy work in the ad. And the fact that that wasn't brought up as an issue at Channel 9 is a huge problem because that's not what Australia's like anymore. We know that. And yet... Wow, this ad just felt completely tone deaf in terms of the world. And and I think it was rightfully roasted all across social media. Again, the idea, good, good on them for doing that, but it really points up a real lack in upper management as to an understanding of of what's happening in the world or what's happening in Australia in yeah. terms of not just ticking boxes for diversity, but actually trying to represent what's going on and if, if this is at the outward face of Australia, what, what's presented through our, our screens at, at Channel 9, you know, it, it's really still prohibitive to other people to think that they can be a part of this. I reckon as well like there's this kind of idea that you see that and you're like, oh, yeah, this is Channel 9's view of the world and no one's surprised. But the next follow-up question to that is but why don't we question that? And this is something that Jan Fran addressed in a fantastic thread that you might have seen on Twitter this week. We'll put it in the show notes. She pointed out that, you know, often SBS and the ABC are called out for a lack of diversity, but what about the commercial networks? You know, is there a feeling of like, oh, well, they'll never do it, so why even try and and ask them? That's not good enough anymore. And one of the points that she makes, and particularly when you're thinking about it and viewing this in the prism of actually encouraging people to get vaccinated and who you include in that conversation, she said it's not worth thinking about the pipeline that diverts some people away from these spaces, a pipeline you don't even know exists until you're the one being diverted. This thread is about her own experience in wanting to become a journalist and feeling as though certain doors weren't open to her because of the way she looked, because of her Lebanese background and because of her curly hair. But in regards to the way that Channel 9 is trying to communicate with its audience and an audience, think about all the people that don't see themselves in that ad and that just that ad falls on, on deaf ears. It's, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic thread and I do wonder why we don't, 
About a lot of things, actually. Like, I think that the ABC is rightfully called out for a lack of diversity time and time again. But why do mm. we let? Why do we not see that that same question being posed to commercial networks? Why don't we demand more from commercial commercial networks? I'm 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 wondering if that will change. Hey, if everyone's talking this week about a new special on Netflix by comedian, YouTuber, actor, Bo Burnham, and it's called Inside. If you don't know Bo Burnham, he, yeah, like I said, made his fame through doing videos on YouTube. I think when he was quite young, he signed a deal with Comedy Central. He was like one, oh. one of the youngest people to sign a deal. Does a lot of musical comedy, but also he played Ryan, who was the yes. quote-unquote good guy in Promising Young Woman. And this special, oh, my God. <laughs> where do <laughs> oh, we begin? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Um, I, 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 I shall start by saying I struggle sometimes with musical comedy. Oh, so do um, I. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, it's just it's hard. It's hard for me. I'm not sure why. Um, uh, it, yeah, but. Maybe, so you know what, much- maybe, maybe you struggle with musical comedy that's bad because I've always thought the same thing, but I love Flight of the Concords and I mm. love Auntie Donna. So maybe it's just bad musical comedy that you struggle <laughs> with, <laughs> of which true. there is a sizable amount. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, Inside is very, very much musical comedy, um, but it's it's so smart. It's so anxious. It's so pointed at so many things that go on in internet culture at mm. the moment. I felt so old watching it, but I <laughs> I loved feeling old and uncomfortable and like I didn't get a lot of the stuff because it was too nuanced for me. And and um, it, it's basically Bo in his house during lockdown over that period of time, you watch his facial hair grow and he sings songs through it. Some songs that have been used, I think, before, like we, we may have seen them before um, if you've seen him perform. I think it was Vulture that suggested he's kind of like the Cindy Sherman of the internet. And if you're mm. familiar with Cindy Sherman, she she basically um, takes on different forms of of femininity or what's considered female and immerses herself in a physical way Um and then recreates them through imaginary film stills and that kind of thing. Like, she is amazing. Mm. But in a sense, Bo Burnham doesn't transform himself physically, but he he takes on the performance of internet characters. And it's so believable. Like, there's very little in terms of physical change other than the hair growing, but he takes on the um, white woman's Instagram. He takes on this kind of scary songster who like scary child performer who who has a a hand puppet that's clearly been oppressed and is depressed Socko. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he res- yeah he responds to his own video like a video responder so these are internet <laughs> characters and it's like holy shit how many levels can you go and also watching it in lockdown 4.0 yeah i you know, it's like, oh, no, oh, oh, confusion, um, relation, but then I can't relate as well. It's it's actually quite genius in the strangest possible way. I, yeah. I, I think I need to think about it a lot more. What yeah. did you reckon? That, that was a long one. I, I really <laughs> have got a lot of thoughts, obviously. What did you reckon? Sorry. I lo- no, I, I loved like- <laughs> it. I, I thought it was very self-aware. Um, like you say, there's so many levels. It's also the songs are really good. Like mm. they get stuck in your head head and the way that he's 
created this without an audience um, with some lighting, a disco ball, very basic sort of setup in what looks like a kind of studio in his backyard, like as and in a lot sort of in his undies apartment. as well, just undies. <laughs> and it is. Yeah. I was the same because, like, I, you know, there's a song in the in the middle of it where he's talking about this kind of existential angst of turning thirty and then making fun of Zoomers, and it's just like, mm. yeah, every generation makes fun of the new generation. And so it's like <laughs> even that feeling of of us, you know, in our in our forties, looking back at 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 millennials and Gen Y and Gen Z and sort of, you know, having a scoff. It's just like everyone does it. It's been done for, you know, since the dawn of time. Um, And that kind of made me feel okay about it all while I, you know, desperately tried to keep up with half the references. But it is just laugh out loud funny, so brilliant. And I think that this is a prescription for everybody who's in lockdown in Victoria, specifically Melbourne, which is now entering into another seven days of lockdown. Go regional Victoria, go and grab a meal, enjoy the freedom. We'll hold it down in Melbourne. But, you know, (laughs) this is your prescription for the next seven days because it will really, it'll it'll lift you out. And I think that one of the... See, I don't know if I enjoyed it necessarily. Oh, really? Yeah. There was parts where I was just like, oh, make it stop. This feels like my own kind of... personal prison. Well, you know, actually, that's an interesting reaction because it's a pandemic comedy special, but it does not Mm. speak about the pandemic directly. It speaks about Mm. the world that's emerged around us. And I think that this is something that comedians are finding, figuring out, and TV shows, as we've spoken about before, are figuring out how they do it. Because is there this, like you say, your reaction of it feels too real, it feels too much like we've actually what we've actually experienced. Do comedians and TV shows dig in and reference it or have people had enough? And our different reactions, doesn't mm. that just speak to it? Because I've, I, I found it incredibly interesting about how he was referencing all these things that have risen to the to the top in the thick of this pandemic, things that have been stirring for a long time about mm. systemic inequality that has always been there, but this moment has pushed it to the top and so it becomes a mainstream conversation. And then the new things that have emerged specifically for the from the pandemic, all of that stuff is addressed in a comedic way. Yeah, it is kind of genius, but our reactions are really different, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's genius and it's claustrophobic and it's, you know, he's a white guy referencing his his whiteness and then taking the piss out of himself and oh it's um it's a, it's a lot that's all i'm going to say <laughs> it's a lot but Just i i, I watch it. it yeah like watch it and send oh <laughs> there phone she goes just fell down <laughs> i've got a you, wobbly standing you. desk <laughs> Your Zoom falling <laughs> off is just perfect at the end of this yeah. conversation. I know, I know. Just, oh, watch, watch, watch it and let us know, like it, send us an email, the emails mm. in the show notes and, and let us know what you think of it because I think that, yeah, I, I just assumed that you were laughing it up like me but your reaction speaks speaks to everything we're talking about right now. Oh, God, and that song, it's, it's you know, it's so much about the internet. Could I interest you in everything all of the time? Yeah. Like that's. <laughs> It's like I, I went, yeah, that's what the, oh, fuck, oh, this is my, oh, no, get off the internet. It's too real. It's too real. <laughs> too real. Hey, the other big thing that lots of people have been talking about this week, and we will give a big banner heads up, we are not going to give any spoilers about Mayor of Easttown. I wouldn't do that to you. But the finale did air on Monday Night Australian Time. And really quickly, without any spoilers, did you watch it? Did you end up watching it, Miff? Yeah, I watched it all. I, oh I my binged God. it. Okay. It was ex- loved it, loved it, loved it. I've got so much that we'll talk after. We'll talk in a year <laughs> when everyone else is caught up. Or whenever you're ready, Bang Fam, let us know when you want us to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
But it is, yeah, I agree. Best TV I've seen in years. Kate Winslet, MVP, acting the shit out of it. And mm-hmm. you sent an article to me this week about um, her her take on this character, which is very real, very method acting, and the director, Craig Zobel, offered to edit out a scene which showed a bulgy bit of her belly and she said no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. And I think this is a real – I mean, she's always been very much about showing herself as herself. Um, yeah. Uh, I think she she called out – it might have been one of those fashion magazines for for doing the old. Um, oh, oh God. that's right. The um, doing the old Photoshop it? on it. <laughs> We've got COVID and brain. Say, We're forgetting things. Yes, <laughs> and I say good on you, Kate Wizard, because whenever anyone's photoshopped me, I've gone. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, that's the the dichotomy of our time. I wish I was stronger to go. Oh, please don't photoshop. You know, don't photoshop my face. But gee, that looks nice. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I've de- you know, definitely definitely had some um, help on the bingo wings, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, she is of a strength of character and a sense of self because she said she was just vilified as a young girl when she was, um, like, in Titanic, the, the press. The, 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 the press just harangued her about her body constantly. Her body was always the focus. And I think she's built a sense of strength, which she now says is because she was defending herself, essentially, from this hor- these horrible vultures mm. who criticised a young woman for her weight, which was, you know, something that we know you can't, you don't do. Um, but she she's developed this strength and now I think she's she's really taken it on board to go, I present myself as I am. And, and I say all power to her. That's amazing because... I'd be going, no, get rid of that. <laughs> She's incredible. Uh, if you haven't yet watched it, dig in. It's amazing television. Um, or maybe you want to dig into the Friends reunion, which, oh. you know what? I was thinking to myself because everyone was talking oh. about this this week as well and then I remembered I never liked Friends. So what? I never watched it. I never so why, watched why, it. Why? It's, not, it's not even one of those shows that's like I go back and, and enjoy it. It's just like I'm, no. I was never, never really a big fan. Like it's I fine. Because it was the early 90s. It, it was the 90s and I was out. I was out having a life, and I—I I don't know. I just—I—I—I I, I, I just never got it. Um, so, but I have friends, loads of friends who absolutely adored it. But the—the the, the beautiful thing that's come out of this is Matt LeBlanc uh, has seemed to be embraced by the Irish. Uh, as their official <laughs> uncle because he just looked like <laughs> your uncle <laughs> in every shot, just the way he was sitting and the way he's – oh, there goes my phone. And the way his face was, um, it's just beautiful. And the, the tweets in response were were fabulous as well. They even put him in a couple of tweets where he's at a pub sitting in amongst a bunch of Irish musicians just playing some music. <laughs> there he is just looking looking smug. Look and smug like your Irish uncle. It was beautiful. So many good memes. I love it. I'm going to put all these mm. in the show notes. You've got to see them to enjoy them, but that was a very fun little piece of light. And you know what? Maybe I will watch the Friends reunion as well. One of the other things that a lot of people have been getting in touch in the bang box is asking us about We Are Lady Parts, which is the new mm. Stan um, series about a young punk band, all-female, all-Muslim um, that's just appeared. It's super heartwarming. We're in the middle of watching it. We're going to talk about that next week. So we will yep. finish that off and give our um, our hot takes on that. I got another email this week from Justina, and this could reach deep into your memory banks because I know you love a bit of reality TV. You know how we were talking about the bisexual bachelorette Brooke Blurton? 
It's mm. a lot of alliteration right there. <laughs> she, um, Justina emailed, because we were talking about how we thought it was like a world first to have a bisexual bachelorette. She said, do you remember a shot at love with Teela <gasps> Tequila, MTV's bisexual bachelorette style dating show from 2007? Oh, my God, that's amazing. I'd totally <laughs> forgotten. Of course. I mean, look, it's a bit of a different franchise. MTV, happy to do anything you want True. Uh, as opposed to, you know, the Bachelor franchise, conservative middle America predominantly. So mm. I think that's quite a difference. But yes, yes, I forgot. Go, Thank you, Justina. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it. What are you banging on about this week? Oh, another thing that lots of people are talking about, I'm clearly back on the telly because what else is there? Um, and this is a great new series, actually. Our bangman Ryan pointed me to this one. It's called Creamery and it's from New Zealand and it's a whole bunch of women who've come up with the best premise for a television show. Um, it's a comedy. It's a kind of a dystopian comedy. So there's laughs but there's also... <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's... It happens eight years after an unexplained virus has wiped out the world's men and boys. <laughs> so it's an opposite of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah, um, of course. And, uh, but the best bit is it's done by a bunch of women, Roseanne Liang, Ali Zhu, JJ Fong and Paulina Lau, whose production company, they've done a couple of web series that have been really big, but they wrote this because they wanted Kiwi Asian-led characters for themselves after years of only being offered roles like sex workers and dragon ladies. That's their words. So, um, and the result is absolutely brilliant. It's it's funny, it's feminist, but it also takes the piss out of the well, wellness movement. Um, and, yeah, it's it's really short. It's only six episodes with a cliffhanger, Ooh. can I say, a massive cliffhanger. Um, yeah, it's uh, – but also there's that whole pandemic vibe about it as well that – feels relevant um, or at least people dying of something. Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I've seen ads for this. It looks really funny. I've seen ads on yeah, SBS. Yeah, it's on SBS on demand. So, so give it a go if you, if you need a little bit of respite. What about you? What are you banging on about? Um, I read a book in a day last weekend and I read this book. Thank you. Um, it was, yeah, the first weekend of lockdown and I just kind of covered myself with a little blankie and, and read a book and it was lovely because I kind of, I felt like, you know, when, when we've had these lockdowns um, and we're really becoming pros at them in Melbourne, you just you get a little bit sort of over the screen and you kind of just feel a bit like dull. So I wanted to sit with the book for a while and this was a ripper. It was a book written by Tracy Thorne, who is, of course, one half of everything but the girl. Love she used her. to play in a band called Marine Girls. She's had a solo career, but she's also most recently been – become an acclaimed author like she's written I think now three books mm. first first of which I'm assuming was like about her early days with everything but the girl because it's called Bedsit Disco Queen yeah, yeah I really want to read it so after reading this new book I want to read everything she's written and she, she's a great she's a great commentator too she writes lots of pieces for I think the independent and um and the guardian and such so yeah she's she's awesome I loved her perspective reading this. It's about her relationship with Lindy Morrison, who is the drummer from The Go-Betweens and also has lived an extraordinary life both before and after she left The Go-Bees as well. It's called My Rock and Roll Friend and the story begins when Tracy and Lindy meet backstage in 1983. Marine Girls, Tracy's old band are playing, Go-Betweens are living and playing in London and they form this friendship for a whole lifetime. And now Tracy has written Lindy's story and one of the – Big reasons she's written her story is because 
so many women's stories in music haven't been told. And even worse, in many cases, they've been kind of erased from the folklore. And I think that anybody who's read Robert Forster's excellent book, Grant and I, there are some real gaps in that. And the way that the go-betweens have been reframed after Lindy left in the late 80s, and then the go-betweens got back together again and started recording albums. And it almost became this songwriting duo and it was it was just them two it's like well you've just kind of erased this whole history Lindy was Mm. a huge part of the go-betweens she did create the songs with them her drumming was iconic and Mm. without her they would be very different so it kind of writes the wrongs of that but also just captures this amazing time and gave me so much more insight into Lindy Morrison's life who I've known since as someone who works um as a head welfare officer at Support Act, that fantastic charity that helps musicians. She's an advocate for musicians. She has been for years and years. She's a known and proud feminist. Um, But before the go-betweens, she was a social worker. She did theatre. Like she just had this wild and amazing life and I loved reading about it. And it's a really quick read too, like you can just read it in a day. So I I love this to bits. I've actually, the reason I read it too is because I've got Lindy Morrison doing the Take 5 with me tomorrow Mm. uh, on Friday and I just wanted to get a bit more of a sense of Lindy's life and now I'm even more excited about chatting with Lindy. So um, if you want a good read and you really love rock and roll memoirs but feel as though that that story of the women in rock and roll haven't been told, this is an amazing book. It's just such a great read. Even if you don't know anything about The Go-Betweens, you'll love this book. It's awesome. Great, great. It's on the list. Yeah, I think you'll love this, Miff. I reckon you'll really love it. Yeah, I love Tracy Thorne too, so yay. Well, I'll go and watch the rest of We Are Lady Parts. I'll try not to okay. watch too much TV and I'm definitely going to make a shit ton of jaffles this week in solidarity yeah, with too. you and your new jaffle slash waffle maker. Apparently it arrives on Saturday, which is amazing. That's I've got two days to prepare. Have you also just done a shitload of online shopping this week? Like I just, I oh know. <laughs> what well, is wrong with got, this? You just got the of... rug that I got delivered um, that I probably didn't need, but I bought it because... <laughs> Just need moments of joy, little moments of joy. I bought a rug this week as well. Yay. (laughs) Yay. What'd you get? Um, I got it from the place that you recommended to me, which we can't, you know, say brand names, but, yeah, I got it from them. So we'll see how we go. Also, too, we got my talk of soap, our talk of soap last week. I got a recommendation on uh, in our bang box that you forwarded to me and uh, someone recommended a lovely little company and uh, they're, they're ethical and a lot of the money goes goes to the saving of animals as well that they make the soaps after. I won't say who it is, but thank you for the recommendation. I'm waiting for my soaps now. I love that the bang box is now becoming an influencer to us. I'm here for this. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love our bang fam. Thanks, they're everyone. Thanks for you all the, the best. messages too. It was beautiful. It really lifted my spirits. So thank you. The best fam. We'll see you back here next week. Bye. Bye. Bang. 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 Bang on. Hang on. I just got a delivery. Hang on. Oh, okay. Welcome to the So good. <laughs> it's freaking deja vu. I know. Oh my god. I know. 
Here I go again on my own. Remember last year I used to just get all my packages to come on Thursday? All of my packages would come on Thursday? Yep, I know. 